When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's Purple Daily. Again, playing to the depths of this draft and the receivers, if one of those tackles is close to 22, I I would definitely consider it. But again, the corner situation is also like a borderline emergency, just given the fact <laughs> yeah. that they lost so many guys a couple, you know, over the last couple of months. A borderline emergency is right, Mike Tannenbaum. He was on this morning, as was I, at uh, eight o'clock in the morning, which is a little early for me. But I took a nap. I've got a diet Dr Pepper, and I have six mock drafts sitting in front of me for Courtney R. Draft Scout to evaluate. So, Jonathan, we've only got one more day to use this for now. Or a couple more days to use this, so if you would. Who has the quickest twitch? Whose hips are the most oily? Who has the quickest long snap? Hand sizes, wingspans. Oh, no one knows hand sizes and wingspans better than Courtney R. Draft Scout. It is that time again for Courtney R. Draft Scout to appear and evaluate some dang mocks. Are you ready, Courtney? I am, and honestly... I didn't know that this was my identity from from here on. I thought this ended today, but you told me you had my name legally changed. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I Thank did not you for, ask. Yeah, no. I mean, it's good. I mean, I'm glad somebody took care of it because you know, in between watching film and, and trying to find mm-hmm. out hip oiliness and who's a glass eater, I haven't had time yeah. to go to the trademark office and, you know, trademark Courtney R. Draft Scott. So thank you for going ahead and taking the initiative to do that. Uh, yeah, glass eater is a long, it's one of those long story sort of things. Uh, well, we'll just keep moving on from that. But uh, there are great long snappers late in the draft. So for day three, you will especially be Courtney R. Draft Scout. And I'm sorry if your parents want you to change it back to Cronin, but... That's that's too bad. Uh, all right, so let's just get right into it. I've got six mocks. We need to evalu- evaluate them. And also, the Vikings are being hyped up as a key cog to potential trades. It is draft day, everyone. My gosh, it's 36 hours of purple presented by Dennis Kirk and the Canopy Group. Let's go. So uh, here's my first one. Maybe we should just get some NFL music here, Jonathan, as well, because like it's just... Ramps are you going to tell me? Are you going to tell me where they are so I can look them up, or should I just write these down? Well, I yeah, I'm going to tell you them, and then I want you to evaluate it like immediately. Just okay. give, give me your grade, and then we can debate it. Okay. So this comes from Daniel Jeremiah, his final 2020 mock. He has Jalen Johnson, the corner from Utah, at 22, and at 25, Eder Gross Matos 
from Penn State. How would we grade the first round in that case? I would give that a B because obviously the big needs a cornerback and, and Johnson's one of those typical boundary corners. He's a big physical guy. I call him Xavier Rhodes Light just because he is about 20 pounds lighter than what Xavier Rhodes showed up at the Combine as. But he's a big physical corner. He's exactly what Mike Zimmer likes uh, of the cornerback build. So I like that pick at 22. You know, there are a lot of people who are not going to be thrilled with a defensive end taken at 25. Mm-hmm. But depending upon is Eter Gross Matos uh, the second off the board, where's uh, Caleb on Chasen going? Where you know, where does uh, A.J. Epinesa fall? I think that that's probably not a reach, but that's also probably meaning that Josh Jones, uh, the fifth the fifth of the of the uh, five top tackles, is gone by 20. So that's probably why they're turning to a defensive end. That's If that's best player available at that point, that means that all the wide receivers and all of the uh, offensive tackles they like are gone off the board at that point, and that puts them in a situation where they couldn't trade back, so they had to go with the best player available. Would you say that uh, Gross Matos would be a glass yeeter? <laughs> I actually had him on a radio show not that long ago, and he didn't strike me as a glass eater in the way that we were talking to him. But, um, you know, what do they always say? They want guys to be jerks, but a, a not this, this, nice name. Did, uh, did the pun go over your head? Glass yeeter? Glass yeah, no, it did. Oh, it okay. did. I, I, sure I get it, it now. I get it now. <laughs> uh, in this particular mock, the Vikings would have had a shot at Trayvon Diggs, or they could have uh, taken Brandon. Now, Iuik. Now, some people say it's Iuik. Are you sure it's Iuik or is it Iuik? We're going to have to get a, a clarification on this because Declan said it was Iuik. I've been calling him Iuik. I don't know because like Lance Zierlein did the Long pronunciation uh, for him on uh, what's it called? Hold on, Brandon. I'm going to keep calling him Iuik. Here he is. At the NFL Draft and Combine profile, pronounced Iuke. I guess I, we're all wrong. Iuke. Okay. Iuke. E Y E in all caps dash Y O O K. Iuke. Okay. Iuke. Iuke. Say well, it twenty times, you'll get it right. All right. Well, he is a. So he was available. Arizona State. He was available <laughs> yeah. to the and, Vikings. And at- so was Jeff Gladney here, the corner from TCU. So, cornerback options at uh, twenty. Five if they wanted to go double corners, but the offensive linemen look like they're all gone because Isaiah Wilson was the guy taking a 29th. So in this case, I think you could justify it if, like you said, the uh, offensive linemen are mostly gone in, in this situation. Austin Jackson is taken very high on his list. Um, but, you know, actually, Josh Jones, maybe he's not as high on because Josh Jones was on the board on his list as well. I agree with you that you come away with a B from me because you do need an edge rusher, but you also have a group of coaches that has developed a lot of yes. edge rushers. And I don't know if you need to spend a first-round pick on one who's just, uh, you know, a pretty good prospect, but maybe not a great one. Um, all right, now on to Peter Schrager's mock. Now, his mock made some noise, as much noise as a mock can make, uh, because Tua dropped to 16 in his mock. Ooh. Uh, he has a run on corners with Jalen Johnson going 19 and A.J. Terrell going 20th, leaving the Vikings at 22 with Justin Jefferson and at 25, Christian Fulton grade that man's mock. I say a B plus. I think that's a great draft. If Justin Jefferson falls to you at 22 who easily could be the best slot receiver in this draft, why would you not take him? I know that we make the argument that you can. They had, they're they fortunate enough that they have enough draft capital that they can 
draft a receiver on day two. Who says you still couldn't do that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Justin Jefferson, to me, I wrote this in one of my um, – I, I laid forth a bunch of scenarios today in a story on ESPN.com, and that, to me, was one of the better-case scenarios, like if he was there at 25. Now, I think he's gone before 22 yeah. and 25, but, hell, if he's there at 22, go get him. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with the guy that did what he did at LSU and seems to be more polished than a lot of the other receivers that we're talking about. And I, I wonder if he could actually go higher than Henry Ruggs, especially since Mel Kuyper dropped Ruggs, which we'll get to in just a second, uh, in his final mock. I, I do wonder if Jefferson is going to go higher because he has the very impressive game tape. Uh, Christian Fulton, another guy from LSU. If you are taking two players from the national championship team, that just blew the heck out of everybody away. Uh, I'm going to say that's good for you. I mean, that it might get an A for me. I mean, yeah, you want the offensive tackle, but like you said, if there's a receiver that drops, then that is a home run situation. So, all right, we get a B in the first one uh, from NFL.com, a B plus from Courtney R. Draft Scout in the next one, and now I'm opening up your third mock to analyze. This one comes from CBS, a guy named Josh Edwards. Well, I don't know, but uh, he has mocked. So if you're going to mock, then we're going to analyze it. Okay, and CBS.com is not friendly to computers, so give me a second. Pop-up ads, my gosh, I'm trying to read your mock. All right, so he's got some trades included here, but he's uh, got, uh, actually, Eater Gross Machos and Jalon Johnson, but in reverse order. So it, does it make a difference to you if it's reverse order? I think it's worse. I think it is worse. It reads worse. And, you, and it, to, because to me, if you're going to get that cornerback, why not get him higher and then trade out of the first round? Yeah, yeah, that's I don't, right. I don't, to me, at that point of the draft, like a Christian Fulton has a day two grade. I, I At that point of the draft, most of those cornerbacks that you'd be taking at 25 are round two projections. Um, to me... Gross mottos given just like this is not the year for a very deep defensive end edge rusher class. Like, yep. So I think that it's a reach to take him at twenty two. Yeah, I don't. I don't like the looks of this one. I totally agree. If you took him at twenty five, you could go okay. Well, he might still be a first mm-hmm. round talent, like you said, and maybe you believe that there are other receivers who will drop that you're going to be interested in later or another tackle. So you could justify. It. I still don't love it, but at twenty two, it's like we would be saying really defensive end at 22 when you have so many other needs at really important positions and yeah. it's not like you have no defensive ends. Daniel Hunter is an all-pro talent, so you know, you're okay and you just spent a bunch of money on Michael Pierce. You have other guys like Afadi Adenabo who you've developed like you, it's not a desperation point or uh what did uh, I'm sorry, I forgot already what Michael Mike Tannenbaum called it, a um a cornerback emergency. Bo- a borderline, borderline emergency. That's emergency. what he said. Yeah. I, one one thing on that, Jalen Johnson, as we know, has a shoulder injury. He's got yeah. like one good shoulder right now. But I remember about a week and a half ago when we had Mel Kuyper on ESPN Radio and he was talking about the need for so many teams at the cornerback position is going to force more guys who have lower, you know, probably a day two grade, but they're going to force them into the first round. That was one of the names I distinctly remember him and Jeff Gladney mm-hmm. uh, and, Ter- and Terrell, or excuse me, Terrell, uh, being pushed into the first round simply out of need. Yeah. So I'm not surprised at the way that you mentioned that the cornerback board fell, that more were taken um, in, in just kind of where the run went. But Johnson's a good prospect, yeah, as no, we mentioned is. in the first one. I think him and A.J. Terrell are the best Viking fit guys, and then Jeff Gladney right after that for those that have been projected in that area. On to another mock for Courtney R. Draft Scout. So we've got a B, and we've got a B plus, 
Now Mel Kuypers. Yes. I actually didn't give Josh Edwards a grade. Oh, I thought you gave him... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go I ahead. I just said I didn't like it. I guess yeah. I'm going to give it a C+. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's... It's just because the how glaring I don't like that first pick. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on this. I like that the you would second have to go pick. see I just, something. Just don't like the first pick. Yeah, I couldn't give that higher than a C plus. Um, on to our fourth mock. Sorry about that. The I, I've done this with every list you've had. I've messed up the order. It's like me up. with pie charts. It is. It is. Uh, we're all fallible, Ms. Draft Scout. Um, <laughs> on to uh, Mel Kuyper, who is very fallible when it comes to the draft, but uh, usually knows what he's talking about. Henry Ruggs third at 22. And Jalen Johnson at 25. Grade Mel Kuyper's mock, Courtney R. Draftscout. I really like it. And as we talked about in the 9 o'clock hour this morning, if Henry Ruggs falls, that probably means that Justin Jefferson is the third receiver off the board, which should not surprise anybody yeah. because he... He's slowly been climbing up a, a lot of different like draft boards that you've seen, a lot of different mocks. He keeps going higher and higher, and I really think that he is the best slot receiver in this draft. And you know that's a immediate need for a lot of teams. So with Henry Ruggs falling, I would assume. Did you say he's fourth in this one, the fourth receiver off the board? Um, let me uh, go back here, I'm trying to look for where Jefferson goes in, in his mock. And you uh, said Jefferson was- goes early, goes fourteenth to Tampa Bay. Okay. He's got a run on receivers with Jerry Judy at 13, then Justin Jefferson, then C.D. Lamb. Okay, so Lamb's going after Jefferson. See, even more of a reason to think that Jefferson's going to go higher yeah. than most people have anticipated. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, if Ruggs is there, he falls into that category for me at 22. Get him because it's different than a T. Higgins or a Denzel Mims or a Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk. Um, you could probably get those later in the first round if you wanted to trade back, or even maybe if you did trade back, get him early in day two. Um, what did you say the second corner, the, se- the cornerback was? It's the same Jaylen one that Johnson. everybody thinks is Jalen Johnson. Yeah, that's amazing. I, you know, I've, I mocked T. Higgins in most of mine. Um, I think people think that he's because the, the problem is there's no consensus number three cornerback. That's just the problem yep. uh, with this year's group. I heard somebody say that yesterday. I'm like, that's incorrect, and. Um, it's going to either – I think the consensus, or at least if you if you want to look at it that way, the, the third cornerback is either going to be Trayvon Diggs, T, uh, A.J. Terrell, or Jalen Johnson. Mm-hmm. It's one of those three. So With I'm, Gladney having an outside shot? Gladney's probably a first-round corner. He's just probably later in the round. Mm-hmm. And then Fulton is probably borderline day one, day some, two. Yeah, some people don't think Fulton's going to go till late in the second, which is odd to me because he was really dominant in terms of his numbers, but there must be something in his tape that some people don't like. Or well, some I mean, people you, like I've heard the others. same thing about Trayvon Diggs. I remember yeah. Mel, Mel Kuyper said that he was a late, potential late day two pick. Yeah, which I was like, that's very surprising. How did he drop? Um, anyways, no, I like this one a lot. I give this... I don't know if I should be giving out A grades uh, right now. I give this a B plus. Uh, so I, my article, the potential home run scenarios. If you if you get one of those, then you get an A for me. And get the receiver who drops is an A. And so in this case, it's the receiver who yeah. was projected as a top fifteen, and he dropped. And of course, you have to get corner with one of these picks, which takes us to. So are you giving it another B plus? I'll give it a B plus. I really okay. like it. I just I you know. I'll wait to give out A grades until I see how the rest of the draft works. Okay, Lance Zierlein, NFL.com, who does all the incredible write-ups and just give that man credit. He must really be dedicated to the craft because he'll write up players you never heard of. Um, he has, at no surprise, 22, Jalon Johnson. So that I think we've had every mock with Jalon Johnson. And he has a 25, Ezra Cleveland, uh, which you might consider a bit of a reach, but he is a fit 
for what the Vikings like to do with their offensive linemen. Yeah. No, I mean, that's... I would be. I wouldn't be surprised if Cleveland is there. To me, that's probably like. I think it's a reach. I think that reach. he could trade down and still get Ezra Cleveland. Yeah, I Possibly. mean, it's 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 not. I just, I, I'm surprised that it would be he would be taken in the first round. But that probably means that before him, I would assume what Jones is gone, Jackson's gone. So you have si- you have what, six offensive linemen gone by the time that the Vikings are picking at 22, 25? Yeah, so you might have to get him because he's kind of the last of the very, very good prospects who could potentially play left tackle. Yeah. Um, he might project more as a right tackle. I'm not sure. But, you know, if he, with his athleticism, projects a left tackle, after that you get into a lot of, this guy's a project, this guy has to move to guard. Mm-hmm. And then Austin Jackson is a real wild card in this because I have some people some of these mocks who have Austin Jackson at 17 or 18 yeah. and others who have him in the second round. So I don't know where he or Ezra Cleveland ends up going. No, I mean, that's the weird thing. I've seen Austin Jackson as far as like day two, middle of day yeah. two, late day yep. two. And then I've also seen him higher than Josh Jones. So once again, I guess you just never truly know, but it's, you know, it's uh it's not a bad pick. I mean, because whatever whatever tackle you're getting at 22 or 25 is going to need a year in your offense if you're going to make him play one of the tackle spots. But can Ezra Cleveland play inside at guard? If they can do that yeah, right is, now, yeah. then that's, yeah. He's that's athletic enough to do it. You know, if it's a good scheme fit for something like that, I'd say that's probably a pretty good pick. i give this a B. Okay. Um, SB Nation mock. Six for six, Jalen Johnson at 22 to the Vikings. Now there's no way they're taking Jalen Johnson, right? If everyone mocking where, where him. Where is like, this Jalen Johnson buzz coming? Is, is it just because of the way that the board fell? Has A.J. Terrell been off the board in every single one of these mocks? Uh, some of them, but in others, he's been there. In this particular one, he's gone at 19. Um, because I've thought A.J. Terrell was a guy to keep your eye on. And you know, I, I would have expected that others would have mixed it up and had... Gladney there or, or some other guys, but everyone loves Jalen Johnson to the Vikings, so that's 22. And at 25, Denzel Mims. So this is the first time we've seen Denzel Mims pop up in any mock to the Vikings. Grade that mock, Courtney. Read it to me one more time. I was looking uh, at Jalen Johnson. Oh, it's just Jalen Johnson and uh, Denzel Mims. And this is the um This is SB Nation, yep. After, you know... If you would have asked me a month ago, I probably would have been higher on the Mims pick because I know Kuiper had him mocked to the Vikings. You and I and several of ours had him mocked to the Vikings. I kind of feel like 25 is a little bit of a reach. I would have probably taken a T. Higgins here if he was available. Um, I still think it's a, I still think it's a pretty solid haul that you're coming away with. It's just I want to know how the tackles fell, if that makes any yeah, sense. Just yeah, because, yeah. you know, kind of... So, I still think that's a bigger need that you can address this wide receiver position and potentially even have, you know, Denzel Mims to me is in that same caliber of a Michael Pittman Jr., of a Brandon Ayuk, um, of a Denzel Mims, you know, that whole group that would be there 33 through about high 40s. So in this case, Jackson is still there, Ezra Cleveland, Isaiah Wilson, and, okay. and Cesar now that, Rees. So. Now that I know that, I think I'm probably going to give this a C plus. You don't love it then? I don't love it. I don't I love like the Mims Jay- either, I which the, I could be completely I like the, wrong on. But yeah, me too. I, but and I think he's a terrific player, but not in the first round when you have other tackles available. Like I just think it's going to be so hard for them to pass on trying to bring somebody in to fix the offensive line yeah. eventually. Like you have to start building this out and not so you're not in a situation where you're drafting an offensive lineman and relying on him year one. Right. Like, yeah. 
Well, and the Mims thing, too. Uh, so Eric Edholm was on yesterday, and he was talking about how Denzel Mims in December was considered like a second or third round pick. And now all of a sudden we're hearing, oh, no, he's going to go in the first round. That always concerns me. I, I mean, his combine is unbelievable. But his production at Baylor is just kind of eh, okay, uh, and you always, well, and, you always I mean, wonder yeah, about that. He was he was a he lined up on like the left side of the formation his entire 2019 season, which is was, also concerning. Yes, because in like, the NFL, no one does that. No, I know, and it's like, but correct me if I'm wrong. In 20, because he had 2,000 yard seasons at Baylor, and they had other players there too. So it was kind of like a matter of like how are we going to split up the targets? So. I honestly anticipated probably a little bit more from him uh, his senior year to kind of showcase to NFL teams that he's not just an outside threat. But um, who's to say he can't translate to playing the slot? I mean, he's played the slot in college. I know not everybody considers him as like a true slot threat uh, in the NFL, but he's great with contested catches. He's you know got he's got good route running abilities. Um, I think you he's probably you could probably find better. For, for at that pick, probably higher, but I mean, I still think that that's a good day, early day two pick, which is why I don't want to call it an overdraft just because we know how the first round will fall or could potentially fall, and that you might have to draft a receiver there if you really feel like none of these guys are going to be available at 58 and you don't trade back. So I could, it could be a desperation pick. I think if someone called it an overdraft for the Vikings at 25, I would tend to agree with them because there is. Uh, Austin Jackson and Ezra Cleveland still there on the offensive line that you could potentially get. And moving back, I mean, none of these mocks have the Vikings moving back. And so if you're not going to move back, I want you to get somebody who's really impressive there uh, as opposed to someone who you were saying, well, you know, he kind of emerged at the combine and maybe his route running is in his pristine and he only lined up at one position. Like all those things make me go, there's so many good wide receivers in this draft. Let me get someone different with the same concerns a little later on and then uh, see how that works out. So six mocks and every dang one of them had Jalen Johnson going to the Minnesota Vikings. So it's amazing uh, to yeah. me. Like no there Jeff Gladney, no AJ Terrell. No Trayvon Diggs. I guess everybody's off the Trayvon Diggs train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because earlier mocks had a lot of Trayvon Diggs going to mm-hmm. the Vikings, which, I mean, you know, I guess we'll see if that's possible. But it, his draft stock does not seem to be first round at this moment, but we could always be surprised, which is what I wanted to ask you is, uh, you know, that tweet stuck in my mind from Ian Rappaport about how the mocks were going to be the wrongerist or whatever it was. <laughs> some some abuse of the English language by a football person. What do you think is the wrongest that will be with how we've draft simmed it, how they've mocked it, like either a player or just, you know, a run on positions? What, what do you think could be the thing that goes completely the opposite way of how everyone expects it? Just for the Vikings or in terms of the draft? No, I think the whole first round. Where could we be the wrongerest? We've already talked about quarterbacks. We've already talked about, you know, wide receivers. I think we could be the wrongerest um, with this offensive line class. Like, if there are six or seven that somehow get taken in the first in the first round, that to me would blow my mind because we know the, the consensus at least. By and large, a consensus top four. I know Sam Monson said that he had Josh Jones ahead of Makai Becton in PFF's like big board, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, 
if there's a chance that like you have seven offensive linemen for a tackle group that yes is the strength of this offensive line group but I would not anticipate seven six or seven to go in the first round that to me would be a lot because that means that Josh Jones is going that means that Austin Jackson's going and it means that Ezra Cleveland is going and those are the last three are last three or four even if you want to throw Becton in there even though I don't believe that um, are more development like raw developmental prospects and that's fine. Like, that happens every single year. But think mm-hmm. about the offensive linemen that were drafted last year and how many of them in the first round had to play right away. Yeah. Like, uh, and didn't, and did the it ones do who, well. Yeah, yeah, the ones who did struggled quite a bit, and that's kind of an every year type of thing. Here's yeah. one, actually, just to interrupt, because um, someone tweeted this at us at the end of ours. Um, like, it, lo- it looks like it's cut off. It's not entirely... It's from Lindsay Rhodes. I guess she works for um, NFL.com or NFL, host of NFL Total Access. So she has one that actually I think would fit into this wrongerist or just like blow your mind type category (laughs) is the order that the receivers are currently in. Hmm. Um, Because she's got the Vikings at 25 taking LaVisca Chenault Jr., the the wide receiver who had the core injury. Yeah. And, um, you know, that like kind of threw him off, at least just in terms of. Uh, pushing him down draft boards because, you know, the... And then he aggravated something during his yeah. 40, too. Like, not yeah. a great time. So not, not great. His numbers, testing numbers weren't great, but he, he hasn't been mentioned all that much. I've seen him in a couple mocks this week as a first-round pick, but, you know, the order of the receivers, like we've talked about, initially it was Jerry, du- Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, and then everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then it was Jerry, Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson, uh, and then T. Higgins, Denzel Mims. Now, from Mel Kuyper's last mock draft, it's Henry Ruggs is the third receiver, and you know that keeps pushing guys all around. Like, what if LaVisca Chenault is actually a first-round pick, yeah, and the receiver yeah. order is completely different than what we had anticipated this entire draft? And, and Brandon Ayuk only showed sure. up like the other day as a first-rounder. It's like, wait a minute. I, I saw this guy as second, third, and then all of a sudden, He's a first rounder, so I think that you're onto something with the wide receiver and and how they fall onto the board, and then there could be guys who have been considered second rounders who are first rounders, and guys who are first rounders that are considered second. Henry Ruggs, Mel Kiper putting him to the Vikings sort of makes this not the wrongerest, but the Henry Ruggs hype. I wondered is it. Is it more everyone thinking that that athleticism is so freakish that that's why they're moving up the board, even though there have been other guys who ran under four threes who didn't necessarily succeed in real life as receivers? So um, we are only hours away from the NFL draft. We're amidst our 36 hours of purple presented by Dennis Kirk and the Canopy Group, Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin. We will talk with Michael Rossini he covers the Detroit Lions Will the Detroit Lions trade out? Will they select Jeffrey Akuda? Will they pick Tua? Who the heck knows? We're going to talk with Michael Rothstein when we return here on Purple Daily. Hey there, it's Phil Mackey for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. And Federated is here to give business owners out there peace of mind. You pour your life and energy into a business, and the last thing you want is for something to happen that puts you on the defense, and that's where Federated comes in. Based in Owatonna, Minnesota, over a century of experience, in standing behind business owners. If you're a business owner and you want some more peace of mind, go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more about your local federated marketing representative. Federated Insurance, it's their business to protect yours.
Jonathan here with the Score North Download. In times like these, you may not be thinking about blood donation, but blood is needed every day by patients facing a range of serious illnesses. If you're healthy, please schedule an appointment to donate by visiting redcrossblood.org or use the keyword red over at scorenorth.com. Also over at scorenorth.com right now as we count down the minutes and hours to the NFL draft. We've got all your draft coverage that you could ever want with Matthew Collar's five home run scenarios for the Vikings on draft night and then Judd Zolgad talking about whether there might be a catch to how the Vikings value the wide receiver position, especially in the first round tonight. So go check those two articles out and all the rest of our draft coverage out for free over at the freescorenorth.com and the free Score North mobile app. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. 36 Hours of Purple Carries On, presented by Dennis Kirk and the Canopy Group. And we welcome in NFL Nation Detroit Lions reporter Michael Rothstein. Michael, you are a very thorough person when it comes to reporting on your squad. Tell me, what are the Detroit Lions doing? What have you heard? What do you know? I mean, right now they've got uh, an IT guy getting ready to hang out in Winnebago for three days. <laughs> and... Uh, Bob Quinn's probably got a baseball bat somewhere because that's his tradition, even though I don't know if it's the same bat that's in his office. Um, no, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, the Lions, I think, have multiple options potentially of what could happen. They could stay at three and really take, I think, any one of three players at three. Or if they can get Miami or another team to trade with them, then they move back to five or or wherever it ends up being, I don't think they move back too far. And then they pick up an extra pick. Maybe they get a little bit busier here on draft night, either day one or day two, and still probably have those same three guys to pick from in Jeffrey Okuda, Isaiah Simmons, and Derek Brown. Those are, you know, one guy's on each kind of level of the defense, and they need to improve every level of their defense. So it's just a matter of, I think, what they really want. And I think, really, if you look at it in the last, 48 hours to 54 hours, which is, you know, prime smokescreen season. It's like, you know, layered in smog at this point <laughs> that you've heard rumors and conversations about all three of those players. Um, and, and we'll see. And I think it's going to be more smokescreeny than most years because there haven't been pro days. There haven't been, you know, top 30 visits. There hasn't been a lot of that consensus building that happens and and small short ways to get information that sometimes happens this time of year okay so i know that you and i talked about this the other night um and doesn't sound by the the looks of it and then not being interested in a quarterback right now but it just doesn't make a whole ton of sense to me when you think about what you use the draft for building through the draft for the future. And maybe it's because Matt Patricia could get fired next year and he doesn't want to go ahead and give the next coaching staff their franchise quarterback. But why is there absolutely no buzz at all on the Lions using the third pick to take their future franchise quarterback because you know Matthew Stafford isn't under contract for that much longer and not thinking long-term here? Well, see, I I would disagree with that in in a lot of levels because – Matthew Stafford is their franchise quarterback. They know they have him as their franchise quarterback. And I think that there's this misconception. And it's, you know, yeah, listen, you're not the first person that said this. I, I, I think it's almost every show I've gone on in the last two weeks has asked some sort of Tua or Justin Herbert related question. And my answer is always the same. Matthew Stafford's still only 32 years old. Yeah, but and he's hurt all the time. That. 
He's hurt all the time. Hurt all the time. He he played 150 games in a row before missing this last eight games of this past season with a broken back that he's already clear from. And sure, listen, is there are there concerns? I think realistically, maybe there are concerns down the road. But Tua Tagovailoa right now is also a big giant injury concern. Your doctors have if you're any team in the league right now, your doctors have not been able to clear Tua to their satisfaction because they haven't been able to look at him. And listen, you miss on a quarterback, to me, those are picks that get you fired. If you miss on a quarterback in the top five. And especially if you're not in like that first year of a rebuilding mode, which the Lions clearly aren't. So to me, you know what you need, which is defense. You have potentially three Pro Bowl or all pro level defensive players that you could get at three or five. And you need them, and you need guys that can contribute this year. You take Tua, you take Justin Herbert. That player is sitting for one, maybe two seasons. If you are Bob Quinn, if you are Matt Patricia, at that point, who knows if you even have a job? Because that's the thing. If Matthew Stafford doesn't play well, it's not like they're going to be like, oh, we're going to give you another year because you drafted this guy. That's not going to happen. So there's just so many reasons for it not to happen. And which probably means that it'll happen. But no, in reality, I have a tough time seeing them taking Tua or Justin Herbert. I think if, if Matthew, listen, if, well, first two things. One, if Matthew Stafford had been healthy the whole year, I don't think they're picking it three. And two, if this had been a real chronic thing, yeah, he was hurt the year before, too, with broken bones in his back, but he played through that. So I look at it and I say, everybody seems to think he's got a pretty clean bill of health right now. And Matthew Stafford seems to want to play for another six, seven years. So to take a guy that you know might not play for a year or two, when you know what you need and you have this level of prospect available to you, I I, I just have a tough time seeing Bob Quinn and, and Matt Patricia making that decision. Talking with Michael Rothstein, he is uh, ESPN NFL Nation Detroit Lions reporter. So I want you to go back to the part about the pressure on Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn because I think some of us here were surprised that Matt Patricia continued to be the head coach of the football squad, uh, especially since the the way that his veteran players who have left have talked about playing for Matt Patricia. Um, you know. How much pressure is on them? I know Courtney wrote a piece about pressure on Vikings management, and uh, it was not well received by Vikings fans, though I agreed with it. How about there in Detroit? Like, Do they need someone who comes in right away and is a star immediately and sort of saves the defense in order for Matt Patricia to keep his job? They need someone to come in right away. They need multiple players to come in right away and be impact players and starters on the defense and probably a little bit on the offense too, because they have some holes at guard. You've got some questions at running back that have to play and play right away. And you need your first round pick from last year, TJ Hawkinson to have that typical second year bump that tight ends have. So they need a lot of things to go right. There is no doubt. There is pressure of Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. The lions put that pressure even more so on them in the December meeting that a few of us reporters were in with ownership, a very rare time that ownership ever talks. And they basically said, yeah, they're coming back, but there is the expectation that they're playing meaningful football in December. Yes. It's very nebulous what meaningful football in December means, but it basically means playoff contention. Like you need to not have the two seasons that you had the last two years. 
You need to be around. You need to make a run at it. If you go 10 and 6 and you miss the playoffs, you're probably still safe. If you go 7 and 9, win your division, host a playoff game, and get your doors blown off, you might not be safe. That, you know, they've left it really, really open. And everyone knows that they are under pressure. They know it too. And they, they have a very, very clear understanding of that and have for the better part of five, six months now. So two years ago, they take on Johnson out of Auburn. Uh, he had some injury issues. He was limited to 10 games in 2018. Last year, he's limited to eight. This seems like a prime draft, maybe third, fourth round for them to draft a running back to add to the stable that has both Scarborough in there as well, uh, Ty Johnson. Who do you think fits best, or what are you hearing just about who they might be interested in to bolster that running back group? Yeah, you, I think you can look anywhere from really the second round on. Because if they say, say they do trade back tonight, they pick up an extra second round pick and a J.K. Dobbins or a Jonathan Taylor or maybe DeAndre Swift falls, maybe they use one of those two second round picks on a running back to give them that group. If not, then I think, yeah, you can look in that third round and, you know, who knows where the LSU guy, Clyde, you know, Hilaire ends up being. He could be a first-round guy. Who knows? Like, there, there seems to be a lot of people all over the board. I think if they wait till day three for a running back, a name that really sticks out to me is Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. They coached him at the Senior Bowl. I know that their staff really liked him out of the Senior Bowl, and it would not shock me if he's sitting there early in round four when they have a pick. I think it's 109 if they went and made that move there, if they hadn't already taken a running back. Because Matt Patricia has always wanted to kind of have a running back by committee, not surprisingly, because that's how they did it in New England. And really, I mean, that's how they did it when they didn't have Marshawn Lynch in Seattle when Daryl Pebble was there. So I think that that's what they want. They've kind of built their room to have that. And ideally, they'd love to see carry on have more and be able to count on him more. But he's been hurt significantly hurt with knee injuries his first two years in his career. So you can't count on him to play 16. You can probably count on him for half the year, and he's going to be good in that half a year. But you can't count on him beyond that. And Bo Scarborough, who knows what you really have there. He had a good little run for a few games, but there's a reason he was on three teams in two seasons before the Lions picked him up. And some of that was timing and circumstance, but a lot of that too is you stick when you're able to stick, and we'll see if this is Bo Scarborough's shot. I like Ty Johnson. I think he's got some real potential there, but he didn't show much of it as a rookie, and he's going to have a lot of pressure on him in year two to be able to take that step. Otherwise, who knows if he's around for much longer because he was a late-round pick, so there's not that much invested in him. Michael, last thing for you, just the bigger perspective on this Lions team is they sort of have some of the earmarks of a worst-to-first type of team. Your quarterback gets hurt last year, you get a high draft pick. I mean, this all sort of sounds like San Francisco, where you were building over a couple of years with a coach where who was starting to feel the pressure. But also, it's the Detroit Lions. So it's like, <laughs> so, I mean, how, how, are you, how are you dealing with that, right? Because, I mean, we try to figure out every year who's the worst-to-first team, and the one who had the injured quarterback last year gets a high draft pick. I mean, every year somebody has this happen, but I just can't make it the Detroit Lions in my head. Well, so it's funny you say that, right? Because a year ago, 
I don't remember if it was on your show, if it was like around now. I, I think I was on your show and a couple other shows as well where we had this exact same conversation. About <laughs> it might have been. Yeah, area. it might have been. You know, the, the reasonings are different, though, right? I mean, last year it was, oh, the defense was coming on. Yeah. This year the reasons are, oh, you know, Matthew Stafford was hurt. Now he's healthy. They added some pieces defensively. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they've done enough to get to first. You know, especially in an NFC North that I think has three pretty good teams in it that are above Detroit. But I think they could make go from, you know, number three overall pick to being in playoff contention in week 16 and maybe making something interesting and maybe being able to get in. And that would be progress. So I think that that's maybe what you're looking at at this point. But yeah, listen, if their their offense was really good last year while Matthew Stafford was mm-hmm. playing, it was their defense that was terrible. So if their offense can replicate that and presumably they get 50 to 60% better on defense, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility based off of who they acquired and guys just understanding the scheme more, and frankly, in some cases, uh, additions by subtraction in the case of Damon Harrison – because I think his skill set was declining, mm-hmm. that maybe you got a shot to really be competitive. But they need to really do well in this draft. I think they made smart moves in free agency. Yes, there were a lot of Patriots, uh, or ex-Patriots, that is. But in the situation we're in right now, where it looks like there's not going to be much, if any, of an offseason, yeah. you, you have guys that A, Matt Patricia has coached before. He knows where he wants to put him. He knows their role. They know him. They know this defense in Jamie Collins, in Deron Harmon, and to an extent Danny Shelton, even though he and Patricia didn't overlap, but he comes from New England, where that's an easier transition, a smoother transition than it would be if you brought in four guys, like two guys from Seattle and two guys from you know, uh, New Orleans and, and tried to fill your defense that way. Really, other than Desmond Trufant, every major defensive signing that they made had some tie to what they're trying to do and have to a group that has tried to do what they're trying to do. And I think that that will only be a help and maybe put them ahead of the game. I, I think the last thing with being putting them in maybe a better position is in the draft. Them and Cincinnati, they got to coach in the senior bowl. They got to actually work with some of these prospects mm-hmm. where a lot of other teams didn't. And I think that that theoretically could be an advantage for them. We'll see what actually happens now, but in theory, that is a benefit for the Lions, for the Bengals over the next three days. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Rothstein. He is the Detroit Lions reporter for ESPN NFL Nation and also a podcast host as well, the Michael Rothstein Show. Uh, where can people find your podcast, Mike? They can find it anywhere podcasts are downloaded, I guess. You know, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, Google Play, iHeartRadio. <laughs> I've gotten really good at, at the list off here. Right. But we're gonna, we're having episodes every day this week. We have Field Yates on today, my Courtney and I's ESPN colleague, to preview the draft. We've had prospects on the last few days, and we'll be recapping what the Lions do and the rest of the league every night for the following morning for the next week or so. All right, very good. The Michael Rothstein Show, wherever, literally wherever you get your podcast. Hey, thanks for coming on again, Mike. We'll do it again soon, buddy. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yep, for sure. Um, Courtney, what do you think of the Detroit Lions at number three? Do you think they move back? Do you think they end up with Chase Young? Do you think they hilariously take Derek Brown? Uh, what to, are we to expect <clears throat> Excuse me, from the Detroit Lions? I think it's going to be par for the course, and they end up with Akuda. 
I know that in Mel's mock today, I think he had Jeffrey falling to Jeffrey Okuda falling to nine. Isn't that right? That was a little surprising. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be. I think a lot of this is smoke screens over the last few days, and I would not be surprised if they trade back. And maybe it's Miami trying to jump up to five, jump from five to three, or maybe it's the Chargers trying to move from six to three. And even at six, if that happens, if the Chargers move up to try to get their quarterback ahead of Miami, I still think they could end up with Jeffrey Okuda at number six. Because um, to me, the Lions are taking an offensive lineman, and we know that Miami's taking a quarterback. So it's either going to be one of those scenarios, but I still don't think uh, they end up with anybody outside of Jeffrey Okuda. They yeah, need help. They need they, help they on their secondary. Definitely. So, I mean, that's do. and it's he's he's the best one of the entire group. It's very obvious to me. Yes, and but uh, I still uh, just to keep butting in and interrupting you. Um, sorry about that. Uh, I just don't understand the Tua thing. I really don't. And I know that you and I are on the same page here of what you use the draft for to try to find your franchise quarterback. Yep. Matthew Stafford is. You know, he probably does have several years left to play, but if you can trade him next year, because we've talked about the scenario of what it would cost to do it right now, and it's very expensive, but in 2021, it's not. So why wouldn't you already have him, you know, quarterback, your franchise guy, in place to potentially be ready to move on? Unless you're, as a coaching staff, saying, I don't want to give the next coaching staff their franchise quarterback. We're doing it our way because we're worried we might not be here in a year. You know, this is just the um, one of the signs of not great management is when you say, well, you know, you better be in contention in December or you're all fired. Then everyone has this pressure to win right now. If you've got a general manager and a coach, and this is a little bit for the Vikings too, you either decide these are your people in charge for a long time or they're not. And we see these teams get stuck in in this mud of badness for a really long time. And what is always going on with that is a lack of continuity. They're always the Cleveland Browns are just changing coaches and general managers and firing people. They, they seem to be in a good spot with their management at one point, And then they just decide, no, we're going to go a complete different direction to have John Dorsey here. Now, no, 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 we're going to go a complete different direction and get rid of him. It's like, well, what are you guys doing? Uh, and everybody has to make decisions to save their own butts all the time as opposed to doing what's right long term for the franchise you know if you draft Jeffrey Akuda, there's a good shot that he is a very good NFL player right away and his value could be extremely high over the next five to seven years but if you draft Tua and you have him sit for a year which should be the model for every quarterback now at this point after it worked as well as it did for Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and and others, but uh, you know, sitting for a year is a great plan for Tua. Then you get the quarterback on the rookie contract, where you can sign an expensive corner if you want uh, to replace that position you lost with Darius Slay. But if you're those guys in that position, and I have no sympathies for Matt Patricia for anything, but if you guys are in that position um, where you feel like, oh, we have to be. 10 and 6 next year, we're all getting fired. Then, of course, you're drafting Akuda or you're drafting Chase Young if he falls. You're not even thinking about quarterback because that position is set. And there's a little bit of that feel with the Vikings, except for, you know, their desperate position just happens to be also the smartest one to draft long term as well in cornerback. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's it's a management thing as much as it is a decision making thing. And if you can hit on the right, if you make the right decisions, you don't put yourself in a in a scenario where you're forced to, you know, be in contention and be out of a job by December. Like I, you know, the the leash that they're on in Detroit, that both Bob Quinn 
and Matt Patricia? Because it wasn't it Martha Ford who came out like kind of with that reluctant statement saying, "Well, we've given them another year," and the yeah. kind of with like yeah. the you know, but you better not screw it up. At uh, that point, just sentiment. Fire them. Yeah, I mean, like at wh- that point, they're they're just dead men walking. I, I just I don't understand it because. You're a lame duck coach, lame duck general manager, either way. And you're always going to, I mean, unless you can somehow orchestrate this miraculous turnaround, which I did think you brought up an interesting point with him, uh, that it does feel like they could go in that worst to first mentality. I mean, not comparing the situations at all, but it has worked out before where you're coaching at the Senior Bowl and then the next year you're coaching in the Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers. Not saying that that's the case in Detroit at all, but... You know, even two years ago, I felt like they had a pretty darn good draft. The one that they got Carrion Johnson, Frank Ragnow, Deshaun Hand. You know, they had a pretty good draft, and they were still not a very good team. So I never know with them. Um, I think a lot of it's more on the management side and the coaching side than it is, like, how the players that they actually bring in. But we'll see. I mean... To me, they had a very—they have a very good opportunity here to think about the future. But when your jobs are on the line, you're probably only thinking about the now. Right. Yeah, and that's uh, it's not where, the not the best spot to be in. That's where the Vikings are at. So um, we'll see what happens in terms of even the Vikings win now types of moves, which would be say to have a change of heart on Trent Williams and then all of a sudden trade a second round pick for him or something. You know, and, and that would be. A good move in the way that it gets you a left tackle, but a bad move in the way that you overpaid like crazy um, because you feel the pressure of having your job on the line at every minute from here on out. And I know that your article got some um, feedback that was interesting in your mentions on Twitter about the pressure that's on the Vikings front office, but I... Just totally agree with you. When you come out at the end of a season last year, there's so many reports and so much noise about the job status of your head coach that you have to come out and say mm-hmm. you're not firing Mike Zimmer. Like, and, at, and Rick Spielman. And Rick Spielman. At that point, like, have we not learned about what the vote of confidence means? If you have to give a vote of confidence, that means that the pressure is is very, very high on those people. Like, I... I mean, I think that this year that you have to have a good draft, that you have to fill some of these spots. And, you know, there's a lot of randomness to that. So, you know, who knows? We won't know tonight whether they've done it or not. But if they don't hit on some people that can be starters for them, then they're going to go 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight next year, and we might see a major overhaul. I think that that's just facts for how it works in the NFL, where you start with, you know, this rebuild in 2014, and you get to the height, and then you're on the other side of the mountain now. I mean, this is just how every team ever has gone in terms of that curve. Well, I mean, it's common sense. I think some people want to keep their purple-colored glasses on and look at what's going on through uh, through a sugar-coated lens. I mean, that's just not realistic. Neither coach nor GM has an extension at this point. That's pretty telling. And then, you know, to me that sets up, well, nail it in the draft and then we'll talk. I don't think either of them go into this season. Um, it'd be weird for me, it'd be weird from an optics perspective to go, for Mike Zimmer especially, to go into the season without a contract extension, which, you know, even dating back to January, I know that you and I were talking about some of the things that we'd been hearing behind the scenes about an extension getting worked out. Well, it's Thursday, April 23rd at 3 p.m. Uh, Central Time. An extension for either one has not happened. So to me, it's very telling. All the signs point to you need to get it right in the draft. 
You need to get players that can play right now. And even Rick Spielman alluded to that the other day, that they've got multiple holes where they're going to be relying on young players, whether it's second-year uh, you know, former rookies, guys like Holton Hill, Mike, Mike Hughes, who are now uh, in position to take on starting roles, and they're still very young. Like, you're going to have to hit on more guys than you miss. And I know that that's such an obvious statement, but it's also pretty damn obvious to me that if you haven't received an extension right now, a lot of your job future and your security is hedging on what happens over the next few days, but also what happens over the next few months as you get ready for the season, both for everybody in the front office and in the coaching staff too. If it doesn't work out this year, you might be looking at a change. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, um, so we've done everything we can do here with mocks and draft sims and everything else, or so you thought, because there is a final draft sim. That's right. It's the final draft sim. Somebody else sing. Anybody else going to hum along with the song? Nope. 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 I'm going to leave you out here by yourself. You can drown. We're going to draft sim one last time. And I'm going to take a receive. Please go to break. Score North is giving away $1,000 to someone who correctly predicts the first draft pick by the Purple in tonight's NFL draft. It's the Draft Day 1K giveaway. Make your selection right now so you do not miss out on the chance to win $1,000. Download or open the Score North app, register your app, and enter to win in listening rewards. You must enter by 6.59 p.m. tonight. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's Purple Daily. And in the first round, uh, there's a bunch of guys, Jalen Johnson from Utah, uh, Christian Fulton from LSU. If they like, if those guys are high on their board, um, Jeff Gladney from TCU, there's a few guys that they could potentially use the 25 pick on. Or with, with the two picks, it's, it's, it's good for them because they, if they like say, look, we got to get this one corner. We're going to take him first. And then if a receiver is available at 25, then we'll just wait on that. So they have the ability to kind of see what the market is doing and, and for these different players and, and make their plans accordingly okay the final draft sim i am in the middle of the third round i'm still just doing three rounds because i think it's kind of you're like a crazy person to do seven but i did I i'm in the middle of four seven. right no, you're doing four okay because um, they've got one pick in the fourth probably gonna end up being like four by the time this whole thing's over because they're gonna trade back and all the other stuff but um i i you know just just being clear here, I haven't heard my music in in quite some time. I mean, it's been since the nine o'clock hour, Jonathan. Um, he literally can, played it to open the show, but he can do it again. Wait, d- thank you. who yes, has the quickest twitch? Whose hips are the most oily? Who has the quickest long snap? Hand sizes, wingspans. Oh, no one knows hand sizes and wingspans better than Courtney R. Draft Scout. I apologize for not remembering that at the top of the show. It's either the extra large iced Americano that has completely <laughs> flooded my brain, or it's all the Jalen Johnson uh, talk to the Vikings that has just thrown me off. But thank you. Yes, uh, but I needed back. I needed so, that jolt to be able to get my draft sim going. The final draft sim here, and I feel like this is possibly my best one that I have done during the entire draft season. 
So I'm hyping this one up that I really like how it's turned out. So I'm just going to start, and we run through mine, and you can grade mine as you graded six mocks earlier. Okay. Uh, I very wrongly, as a mock drafter, did not pick Jalen Johnson. Instead, and I think this is very possible, Courtney, we need to discuss it, Jedrick Wills Jr., the okay. tackle from Alabama. He fell? He fell to 22. Someone is going to fall at one of these positions. You can't fill in enough people that are supposed to be top picks and make it all work, make all the puzzle pieces work. So I think that it is very possible that there's one tackle that slides down the board, and in this one, it was Jedrick Wills Jr., and I didn't think about it for a second. I just nope, picked as you Jedrick shouldn't. Wills Jr. Nope, um, I think you did good. In, in this particular draft sim, it does have the Detroit Lions <laughs> taking Derrick Brown, the defensive tackle, and I laugh every time. Like, yeah, yep, they probably will. Uh AJ Terrell was my pick at 25. Talked nice. about him quite a bit. Well, you don't think he's going to be there? No, I said nice. Oh, okay. Because, uh, I mean, it's hard to say with these corners. The ones that are not C.J. Henderson or Jeff Akuda, they could go in any possible order. So those are my first-round picks, and I feel like I deserve an A grade. I like it. No, I like that a lot. Give me an A. Sure, have an A. I mean, it's an A. If you get it is an A. If you get Jedrick Willis, sure, yeah, sure. If, I, I said corner. today that I wasn't giving anybody A grades yet because I didn't want to jump the shark. But sure, I'll absolutely give you an A if a top ten player falls at twenty two and you take him. Absolutely, thank it, you. I'll even give you an A plus because I like you so much. So wow. here you go. Okay, well, you, wait, wait till the rest is over because you might drop it down. <laughs> I, exactly. Uh, in the second round, I took Neville Gallimore, the interior defensive wow. lineman from Oklahoma, supposed to be explosive and get after the passer. They could use that i took in the third round receiver lynn bowden jr playmaker get him the football he'll do stuff and with my final third round pick damian lewis a guard from lsu so grade my entire draft sim okay so give it to me one more time after gallimore yep it's a uh, wills terrell gallimore lynn bowden jr the receiver, receiver. from kentucky and damian lewis from lsu you know i really do like the guard pick i know that there are some people who you know, wonder, okay, where is the sweet spot for a guard? Can it start in the third round? Is that too high? Should you wait till the fourth? But I do think that that's an opportunity for them to find somebody who could honestly compete for one of the right, te- right guard, left guard spots right now. So I'm all for that. Okay, well, let's hear yours. And see well, I actually am currently still in the middle of it because I've been fighting with Miami trying to trade with them. So uh, <laughs> let's still talk about yours while I complete the, okay. while I compete. I, I actually have a question here that I like off of... Um, your point about the guards because I waited till the end of the third to get a guard because I was pleased with myself from getting Jedrick Bills Jr. who could probably start at guard and then kick out to tackle eventually. But uh, here's my question. Do we think that any of the developmental offensive linemen are something? And I mean Ole Udo, Can they play right Drew or- Samia. Like, could they be a factor in your mind in 2020? Yeah. Samia specifically. Samia, yes, because, you know, they spent a fourth-round pick on him. He was the prototypical scheme fit uh, that they talked so much about um, last year. BC played, played in a zone scheme at Oklahoma. He had blocked for Kyler Murray. I mean, it was supposed to be the ideal fit. Now, the fact that he didn't play much last year and was considered a red shirt uh, was a little interesting to me, but I do think if you want to take Mike Zimmer uh, at face value for what he said about that, 
that he should be able to contribute right away and be fighting for one of those uh, right guard or left guard spots. Uh, and that then, if you had somebody um, like you were mentioning with, is it Lewis, Damian Lewis? Damian Lewis, yeah. That you could potentially have your interior set and you'd be okay. Yeah. You know, I, the, when you draft me in the fourth and then you cut Josh Klein, it makes me think, all right, who do they like there then? I mean, is it Dakota Dozier that they think would do just as well as Josh Klein? Uh, would they bring Josh Klein back? Is there someone that they like in this draft that could fill that spot? Um, but it, cutting Josh Klein was one of those, hmm, I wonder if they do like Drew Samia more than I think they do. Uh, have you finished your drafts in? In the process, I was fighting with another team, Gosh. but I but I can tell you that I can tell you what my first round is. All right, I will grade your first round. Okay, I think you're actually going to really like it. I just don't know how realistic this is based on how the board fell. I got Jedrick Wills again, uh, like you did at 22, and I got C.J. Henderson at 25. Oh, no way, wow. no way, what? no way. Either of them are there. But I mean, for a draft sim, I think that that's a pretty good. Do draft you throw sim. out draft sims that are too crazy. Well, this one to me, I, I like laugh at it because this one I did without trades. There was another one that I was trying to trade, but as I've said, Miami and I were going back and forth, and it was just kind of ridiculous. Um, wonder what that's really like. Uh, no, I, I there's some of them that like this looks so unrealistic. Like remember all the ones that people would send you where Tua was available at 22. Yes, yeah, like no way. But you know. I, I don't throw them out because you can't throw out a real draft sim. You can't throw out something in the draft anyways, so I uh, I keep it. And they go into my mock draft folder as I take screenshots of all of them, um, including that one that I will still bring up from two you, years ago. You have ago a whole was, folder of draft sims? Well, don't you remember the one that I had when I got to Sean Hand in the fifth oh, round yeah, two yeah, years yeah. ago? And I still talk about how good that draft sim was. <laughs> I mean... You know, this is these are memories. Is, I'm, cre- I'm creating memories. Why you changed real- your name? I, you changed it for me. Uh, this is I create memories in real time, and I feel good about it. Yep. All right. Yep, so I do. Are you my done third- with this draft? <laughs> it's still going. Uh, my second round pick, though, I can tell you is Marlon Davidson from Auburn. I like that pick. I He's do too. Somebody that was a first round, like late first round guy to the Vikings in some mocks early on, and then I just haven't heard his name. Spoken a single time, but kind of a, a monster could be a defensive end, could move inside at times if they need him to. Like, yep. No, I, I think it's good. good. I, I think that you need interior presence. Like, you need to address that at some point. Second round might be a little high, but just the way that the board fell, there were a ton of running backs and a tight end that was available. I didn't want any of that. KJ Hill was my first of two third round picks. Um, I think it's a smart pick for wide receiver on, on day two. Yeah. Um, and I like him a lot. I, I do. Um, but now I'm going to end up messing up everybody's board. I was going to end up going with Jalen Hurts, uh, but I'm going to pick Bryce Hall. Every, court- everyone wants you to get Jalen Hurts. That I know, was an but early I, draft sim thing. It was available to me, but it, I did not. And so I went with Bryce Hall, the cornerback who's more of a developmental type, probably going to be uh, you know, special teamer, backup role, rotational role this year. But I got two. I got Jedrick Wills. From Alabama is my number one overall pick. C.J. Henderson, Marlon Davidson, K.J. Hill, Bryce Hall. I came away with a pretty nice haul, and I actually am still drafting. I forgot I went four rounds here. <laughs> um, so what do you think of my first five while I take the well, I last mean, one? Let's just say it's not C.J. Henderson who's going to be there in some other no. corner. I mean, let's it's, un- it's unbelievable. <laughs> I know, it's unbelievable. But uh, I kind of like it. My feeling is at 22, someone surprises us. I just don't know who it's going to be. But if it's Jedrick Wills, if it's Henry Ruggs, it just 
the way that I play out every sim, there's always one of those guys that ends up there. And I always feel like, ah, this is kind of cheating. Even like Makai Becton showed up on one I did the other day. Oh, it's kind of cheating. That guy's going to go higher. But you do that enough times and you end up with, well, if anyone surprises us by picking someone like what happened with Cleland uh, Farrell last mm-hmm. year, if anyone picks someone way higher than is expected, then that opens the door for the Vikings to be in really great shape to select someone that is a top 15 prospect. And I think that uh, they would do that almost regardless of position. I mean, this is the one where it gets hard to know with um, Javon Kinlaw or Kayla Von Chase on how high they might have those guys, but you could go a little bit different position than corner at 22 if it's someone who surprises you and drops, uh, or the same with offensive line. If it's not corner offensive line, but it's someone who drops at a different position that you love, then you might just have to do it because the player is too good. Um, I did I did finally finish it, just so you know. So and who'd I, you take in the fourth? I took John Simpson, the uh, guard okay. out of Clemson. And the reason I like that is because he's a good run blocker. He's you know a strong, lengthy you know, for the position, too. I mean, 6'4", 34 and one-eighth inch arms, 321 pounds. I mean, that's a good size, and he's athletic. So Arm um, length. Arm length. You laugh, but what were what were we talking about last year with Gary Bradbury? Yeah, short arm arms, length, yeah. Short arms, and you can't reach. And <laughs> that's a problem when you're trying to cut off blockers at the second level. So you can laugh at that and laugh at my oily hips and laugh at everything else that I enjoy. But that's the first thing that I looked else at. That you enjoy. <laughs> he ran a five two four forty. He's fast. <laughs> like, yeah, and you know what? Take your cold McDonald's diet cokes and shove them too. Like every everything that you everything like. I enjoy. The, the ninety eight Cubs. Um, the entire the entire year of nineteen ninety eight. Uh, so I have another game that I want to play here, and it's got a really catchy headline. It's how good is this guy going to be? You think? That's, that's that's the headline. I want to go through the top prospects with you and get opinions because we've spent so much of our lives here going through every possible player for the Vikings that they could pick, every angle, what would work, what would not work, what we'd criticize. And uh, so we haven't focused a ton on your takes, Courtney, our draft scout, on some of these top players, including even Joe Burrow. So what did I call it? How good you think this guy's going to be? How, how good is this guy going to be, you think? How good is this guy going to be, you think? Uh, how good <laughs> is this guy going to be, you think, with Joe Burrow? I mean, can you get any more boomer bust with the first-round pick, the first overall pick, and somebody who really had one good season? Yeah. I mean, that's the hard part here. We're judging it off a terrific year where he reached historical heights. LSU was annihilating everybody in the SEC. And in the way that they fi- uh, finished the season in that national championship game against Clemson, like it's hard not to buy into the hype and think that Joe Burrow is going to be this terrific quarterback and he's going to have a long career and he's going to be the next person to essentially turn around the Cincinnati Bengals and you know they're looking for their franchise quarterback this is a no-brainer to me and I think that if you look at Joe Burrow and kind of what he does makes really good pre-snap reads um, you know really accurate delivers the ball well and I mean some of the freakish stuff that he does too when plays break down and he's like running out of the running out of the boundary and he's launching a pass to his receiver and the guy catches it I mean he's impressive so I'd like to think that he has a high ceiling Sometimes you just don't know. Um, but I think that he's going to have a long, good NFL career. But I also understand the pressure that's put on you when you're picked number one overall and expected to be the second coming 
and fix an entire franchise. I mean, they literally spent their entire free agency trying to entice him to want to come there and not pull an Eli Manning. Remember a few year, few months ago on the show we were talking about, is Joe Burrow actually going to go to Cincinnati? Yes, yeah. Is he going to you know, pull, uh, be in a situation where he says, I'm not coming? Yep. Um, and they, then they spent a bunch of money in free agency yes. to be like, we'll do this for you, Joe. I mean, they had to. <laughs> First off, they had a ton of money to spend to begin with. But also, you have to entice somebody to want to give it their all for your franchise, especially when they're drafted number one over uh, number one overall because mm-hmm. careers die just as quickly as they start. And I think a lot of times you are a boomer bust candidate at that position at the at the position that you play and the position of which you're drafted if you're first overall. Right, because if it doesn't work out by year two, then the pressure is really, really on. Uh, and then they're looking for other solutions by year three when they draft you high, even if you're number one pick a lot of times. Um, you know, some teams that though they hang on to guys too long, like we were talking about with Blake Bortles, who went 11 and 34 and they drafted Leonard Fournette because that's what he needed was a running game for Blake Bortles to be a star. I think that the comparison I want to make to Joe Burrow, and this guy used to move around better than he does now, but Matt Ryan is sort of the similar look to me of being very accurate. It's not a mega bazooka arm, but he's smart, accurate, and can make some plays where he has to move around a little bit. I think that that's probably the best case scenario. I don't know if I see a Hall of Fame potential here, but I I see someone who could be really good for a very long time. And the where it doesn't go great, but he's still a starter in the NFL. Um, who could this be? Could this be like Derek Carr or something where he turns out to be maybe the 15th best quarterback in the league? Cause he doesn't have those freakish next level type of raw skills. Like he's a good athlete. Carson as you Wentz. mentioned. Yeah. Carson Wentz might be a good one. Um, yeah, something like that. Like, I think he's still, he's sort of a guy that I don't see. When you say bust, I could still see him being an okay quarterback, but bust meaning you didn't become what you hoped for at number one overall. Yeah. No, I mean, the ceiling is so high when you draft somebody number one overall because you're expecting them to save a franchise because if you're in that spot, by and large, uh, nothing went well for you the last year, even the last few years. And a team that hasn't won a playoff game since 1991, Joe Burrow is being looked at as the king of Cincinnati, yeah. the king, the king yep. of the Queen City. Yep. Um, Good one. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure there to live up to those expectations. And, you know, I don't think he'd be a complete flop either way. I mean, just given the type of season that he had, even for somebody who only had one season like that, to play like that in the SEC and against elite competition, and, and yes, he had an awesome team around him. Look how many LSU guys are being mocked in the first round, mm-hmm. um, including Justin Jefferson, the guy who threw the ball to a whole lot. So I think that it would never be like, oh, he's just absolutely awful. He's out of the league after his rookie contract. But there's got to be some sort of middle ground there. Is he... You know, like I like the Derek Carr comparison. I like the Carson Wentz. Like, is he just a guy at that point? Is he Andy Dalton? Does he end up becoming an Andy Dalton esque quarterback? Because Andy Dalton was considered. I mean, not that he was a first round, uh, first overall pick, but he was considered pretty good coming out of college, if I can remember what that scouting report was. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I, I think that. If you're drafted that high, the expectations are completely different than if you were like a top five quarterback. Number one overall says something. Yeah. And it yep. says that an entire franchise is willing to bet the farm that you will save them. And that's a lot. 
Yeah, I think you make a good point that uh, he could be in that middle range like an Andy Dalton where he can lead your team to winning. But, I mean, this is – I always think of everything as sort of out of 100 or out of 10 chances, like how many go one way or the other. I think out of 10 chances, two go to a bust and maybe four or five go to he's an Andy Dalton or Derek Carr level, like very good quarterback that you can win with, and maybe one or two go to, yeah, he becomes Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, or Mm -hmm. Drew Brees or something like that, like a franchise, true franchise great quarterback, because even though he is good, I'm not sure that the raw skills are quite on the level of some of the great, great quarterbacks. Um, So, all right, our next one for... How good you think this guy is? No. How good do you think this guy could be, you think? I should have written it down. How good do you think this? No. How good will this guy be, you think? Yeah. No. That's still wrong. No, how good will this guy be, you think? How good will this guy be, you think? All right. uh, Makai Becton. How good will this guy be, you think? I'm going to write it down. I was kind of surprised this morning. I will say that uh, when we were talking to Sam Monson, that mm-hmm. they don't think he's. I mean, PFF does not have him uh, ranked nearly as high as most, you know, most mocks do. Yeah. And yep. I am kind of surprised by that. I I don't believe that Steve uh, Palazzolo had him going in the first round, if I remember correctly. Yeah, which is he's going to go in the first round. Yeah, There's like, no question about that. But I mean. What are we looking at here? Like he was considered widely considered one of the top tackles throughout uh, the combine process, and I think that you know his athleticism and just like how much of a hoss this guy is. He's six seven. He's huge. Like you know what? What are we so concerned about here? I mean, he's his NFL comparison. I'm looking at this right now is Bryant McKinney, who Vikings fans will remember. I mean, yeah. he's huge. He's got an enormous frame, um, and I think his footwork is probably one of the things that we talk about as being like NFL ready right now. That's why he's being slated to go in the top ten, and he can fit into a bunch of different schemes. Um, and I don't know. I, I think that it, do I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer? Like I don't know because I'm not gonna, I'm not good at projecting the Quinn and Williamses of the draft. I know you know some people called him initially a Hall of Famer. While the rest of us were like, hey, it looks like a really good pick. Yeah, you but shouldn't call anybody that, really. You know, I'd say he's probably going to be a franchise left tackle. So I will like, tell you... Like, I think you, he will um, be a very good prospect. I, I think... Uh, I'm, I'm not convinced. I, because he has so little pass protection experience at Louisville, they had a weird offense, they shifted protections all the time, and he just didn't get that many like true pass sets. That's PFF's... Uh, main complaint. They say he's a great run blocker, but at this moment, not the best in terms of pass protection. And, you know, being gigantic is great, but if you lack <laughs> technique, then it just doesn't matter. So no, you're right. You're <laughs> yeah. right. Like, being six seven. I mean, think about Think about the player that I just mentioned, Bryant McKinney. He was gigantic. He lacked a lot of technique and a lot of footwork. So, I mean, there's, you know, that's high seal, that's high risk, high reward when you right. take a player who's that big, but... I guess we're going to see. You know, if he's able to start right away, which you anticipate, you're going to be able to write him off within the first two to three seasons uh, if he's not going to be a quality starter. So let me tell you the tale of a very, very large man who was listed at 337, but actually at the combine weighed in at 375. 
by the name of Mike Williams. Not a receiver, Mike Williams, stunningly, but an offensive lineman drafted in 2002 by the Buffalo Bills, 6'6", 375, ran a 5'340", which is bananas, still had a 30-inch vertical jump, incredible, and a quality 29 reps. He destroyed the combine at 375 pounds, 6'6". And this guy was so bad (laughs) because part of it is, I mean, large is wonderful, long, long, lanky, the big arms, everything else, all great. But uh, everybody in the NFL who's an edge rusher, they go against guys who are gigantic all the time. In college, some of these edge rushers have never seen anyone this big, so they don't know what to do with them. And you you see Mekhi Beckton just push them down. Well, you're not pushing down Khalil Mack. I can guarantee you that. Like, you know, so... If you don't have the proper technique, then you're not going to have a great shot at this. Even someone like DJ Fluker, who didn't turn out, he was 6'5", 340, and had 37-inch arms, which makes no sense. It ran a good 40. Like These are guys who are compared to Mekhi Becton, not you know, in terms of size. Uh-huh. Um, and you know some of them work, some of them don't. You see Orlando Brown has worked out well for the Ravens. Um, and Trent Brown worked out pretty well for the Raiders and the Patriots. But, you know, I mean, it's I think if a guy is not sound like that, if it's not an Orlando Pace, who sure. is someone who just has everything athletically and giganticness uh, to go along with being a great football player, you you do worry. You know, and here's one thing about him: Would you feel differently if he didn't play in the ACC? Like if he was this size and he was uh, at Georgia, for example, playing in the SEC East, would you feel differently just based on the competition he would have had to go go up against? I think the answer is yes, I, because you would have gotten a much better sample against really good edge rushers. So you know, I was watching Andrew Thomas go against Caleb on Chason, and it was like, okay, Andrew Thomas, give me this fella. I mean, he was just annihilating Caleb on chase on. And that's a guy who is a, a first round pick potential. And that's mm-hmm. what you expect from a tackle. That's going to be the first round when you don't have a sample on Mackay Becton, you're sort of flying blind. And I think he could either be one of the best tackles in the league or completely mediocre or just bust out. I mean, I know those are the options for everybody, but his bust rate is probably a lot higher than some of these other guys. Because he's bigger, and I understand that. It's actually, I know that's not, it's not funny, but like, remember we were talking about last week that there was some anonymous scout who was a little worried that he might be more interested in cooking yeah. uh, and yeah. what that means, like him taking away from, you know, wanting to be a true football player, whatever. Um his mo- I read the Sports Illustrated article on him and just reminded me about that, where they're talking about, you know, he played his final season at 352 pounds, and when he showed up at the Combine, he was 364, 6'7", uh, 3 and, and eighth inch. And he said that, like, the reason he's so big is because his mom's a caterer. So he eats a lot. So I'm not trying to make a joke here, but that's something that you absolutely have to be concerned about. Yes. When someone is that big, right. if he and when gains you, any weight, if he gains it's any over. weight, because then you lose the athleticism, you you lose the fluidity of movement, you lose the mobility, and I think that that's the thing that people love about him so much that he has this incredible reach because of how lengthy he is, um, and he's powerful. And he's able to get to the second level. I mean, sometimes it takes him a little, you know, it's a little bit more effort just because of his size. But he can reach, and he's got really good footwork. So it's like all of the pieces are there, but some of the potential red flags of when you're that size could, you know, certainly 
lead to boom or bust. But, you know, I, I think he projects as a franchise left tackle, and I'm willing to do old takes exposed about this three years from now um, because he's got length and really good functional power. And I think that I'd be willing to bet on that versus not. All right, let's take a break. we come back, I've got a couple more for you of how good will this guy be, you think. And uh, then we need to put it down on paper. We need to make it official who we think the Minnesota Vikings draft tonight. And we can include trade down in the scenario. So we will do that when we return just hours away from the NFL draft. 36 hours of Purple presented by Dennis Kirk and the Canopy Group. We will return on Purple Daily. Score North and many of our local advertising partners remain open for business. And you can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North mobile app. We are all in this together, and you can hear how you can support our local community by visiting scorenorth.com, keyword open. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Score North is giving away $1,000 to someone who correctly predicts the first draft pick by the Purple in tonight's draft. It's the Draft Day 1K giveaway. Make your selection right now so you do not miss out on the chance to win $1,000. Download or open the Score North app, register your app, and enter to win in listening rewards. You must enter by 6.59 p.m. tonight over at scorenorth.com. We have all your draft coverage that you could want, including the report from Jeremy Fowler that the Vikings are reportedly a key cog in a lot of movement at the end of the first round tonight, so keep an eye on that. We will keep you informed of that over at thefreescorenorth.com as well as the free Score North mobile app. And Matthew Caller, only three hours and about 28 minutes until we hear this wonderful noise again. Ah, yes. What a great Soothing. That Chimes. Uh, it's like a wind chime. I actually have a wind chime in the backyard that does the same noise. It sounds exactly <laughs> like that. No, I'm, 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 I'm lying. That, I'm absolutely course, lying. Of course, Courtney, our draft scout, does have that. Wind How chimes annoying that would that be if my neighbors had to hear that? <laughs> Are you draft all... simming again? I'm calling the police. <laughs> all hours of the night draft simming. Yeah, a windstorm in the middle of the night. You start hearing like, oh, who do they take? Who do they take? The winds of the draft, they do blow. All right, is that oh, it? Yeah, that's yeah. the score north okay. download. Back to you guys. <laughs> All right, so a couple more things to do here. I have two more players for how good will this guy be, you think? And uh, then on to who we actually believe the Minnesota Vikings will select tonight. We put our official predictions down to be immediately wrong in a couple of hours. Uh, I have Isaiah Simmons here on my list. Courtney, how good will this guy be, you think? The one from Georgia. No, excuse me, the linebacker. Sorry, I was thinking of the other guy. Well, he's unique. I mean, he plays like every position on the defense. So doesn't that technically give him a higher ceiling to be a prospect that succeeds at the NFL level? Because you're going to find somewhere for him Mm. to fit, right? Yeah, that's what I don't know is... Like in terms of what you would dream for a modern defensive player is them to be positionless. So they can cover a wide receiver in the slot. They can line up at linebacker. They could play safety and they've got instincts and playmaking for all of them. But, you know, Mel Kuyper calls him an outside linebacker. There are other people who call him a safety slot corner. Right. Like what is the guy? And it does make you think about sort of a master of none type of thing sure. uh, where everybody else, all these other football players, 
Um, there's only, what, three or four guys? Tyron Matthew, Harrison Smith, Derwin James in the world. Harrison, who was, could the do first, that stuff. Harrison was the first one that I thought of when you mentioned that. Um, and now, obviously, Tyron Matthew. I mean, that's the guy who kind of invented mm-hmm. how to do this. Um, Harrison, too. But, I mean, we just think of Tyron Matthew, where he started his career and kind of where he's at right now in this positionless defensive back, just straight up DB. Um, you know, if he can truly be one of these guys who could be a deep safety or he can play up in the box or he can fill either play slot safety, play slot corner. I mean, there's a lot of different uses for somebody like this. Um, I, I, I have a hard time saying that somebody won't do well because you're giving yeah. him so many chances. It's not like he plays one position. He is a, de- a true defender. Yeah, and if he can... In good, in good size, too. 6'4", 238. If That's he can huge. cover receivers and if he could play safety and, and be the deep guy and make plays on the ball, that is more valuable to me than necessarily being in the box, uh, which is nice. Or if he plays linebacker, like that's good. But what does he become? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, at the absolute best, maybe he's someone like Eric Hendricks who can fly around and, and stop running backs and things like that out of the backfield and he's very valuable. Um, but if he's not as tough against the run, then, you know, that might be a problem and you get people running against him all the time. If he's your starting linebacker, it's, it's a little bit tough to put him into a box, but I tend to think that he can be that Derwin James or Harrison Smith type of player based on seeing him play for Clemson, where he made plays all over the field. And that's what you want to see. I really am sometimes mind blown by guys that I watched play in college football as just enjoyer of college football. I'm not draft scouting like you every Saturday, uh, but, and then I go, really? That guy? I remember him. He didn't blow me away, but Simmons was the opposite. I mean, he was one that jumped way off the page. So I think that whatever team gets him, especially if it's a team with all sorts of openings on their defense, so Kuiper has a mock to Carolina, well, geez, they need everything. Yeah, they do. So he can line up all over the field for them, and they can get very creative with Isaiah Simmons. So um, I, went, I went back and watched that Ohio State game from 19. Um, and, and that, to me, is probably the best game that he played uh, in college. And so you think about it. Like, he moves like a defensive back. He's massive. Like I mentioned, it's 6'4", 235, 238, something like that. Um, he has no problem keeping up with speedy receivers. So yeah. if you want somebody who can play press man and be good in man-to-man coverage, you've got it. And I think he also probably gets a pretty good run defender, too. And, I mean, that's something, like you mentioned, you know, is that going? Is his run coverage going to be able to take the next step uh, where you're asking him, essentially, to be a hybrid Eric Kendricks in that realm? Sure. That's what we're going to be judging him off of because we know he can do the other stuff. Um, it's just like, where does he exactly line up? Because we've seen him... S- mock to Detroit. We've seen him mock to the Giants. We've seen him mock to Carolina, like you just mentioned. I don't think all three teams are going to be playing him the exact same. So what's the best fit for him? Is it a Carolina? Because they're rebuilding literally everything, and they'll be able to be like, hey, we're just going to start over with the defense, find out where he fits best. Do you play defense, young man? You're on our team. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, there's... He's a freak athlete. I mean, you, you throw that term around a lot in the scouting world, but you know it seems like he truly is fitting the bill there because he just has so much potential at so many positions. It's not like he's a quarterback or a wide receiver or even just a straight-up linebacker, a 3-4 linebacker. Like This guy could play multiple positions, and his value is huge. It's the reason he's supposed to be you know, taken in the top five, and I'd be shocked 
if he fell outside the top five. Uh, Adam Schefter, by the way, mentions on Twitter something worth monitoring tonight. Jaguars general manager Dave Caldwell called Lions general manager Bob Quinn about this evening's picks. If the Jaguars, so we've made fun of the Jaguars quite a bit, uh, and they deserve it because they took a team that was in the AFC championship team and shredded it down to nothing. Um, but if they were to trade up and take Tua at number three, which watch them take Herbert is who they would take. But, <laughs> but if they did that, if they traded up and took Tua at number three and they traded, I don't know, a next year first or what, whatever else, it, it would be a smart move. Yeah, because, they're already rebuilding. Right. You, you have to rebuild from really the ground up. It's a great way to start. And you have a quarterback in place who could start for the first year in Gardner Minshew. You know that he's not going to be so disastrous that like no one will show up for games because you're such an embarrassment. Um, and, and it will allow Tua to sit for a year, become completely healthy, learn the NFL game. Like I would actually have to give the Jaguars credit if they decided to make that move to take Tua. Yeah, and they are a team, as we said. Like, Think about everything they did this offseason. They're unloading their roster. They want to start over. They have to start over. Uh, if they can find a way to trade Leonard Fournette tonight, that's just the cherry on top if they're able to get the number three pick and take Tua. I mean, I would say that that's an A-plus draft for them if they can do all those moves I'm, in the first round. I'd also say this. If they traded number nine and number 20 and Detroit moved back to nine and 20, and let's say there's some other stuff thrown in, the next year, second or third or something, whatever. Uh, I would have to say that Detroit did a great job, too, in, in moving back, still being able to get an impact player. Like we were just talking about, Isaiah Simmons, there's a possibility he's on the board still at 9. If they were to move back and get 9-20, and 20, you could get two very, very good players. You could get a both on the defensive side to continue to stack talent there. And it's a smart move for Detroit if they have no um you know possibility of drafting Tua at number 3 then get what you can that one actually might work out for both teams yeah i mean detroit doesn't have to pick at 3 and it's interesting remember what it was earlier in the week where even over the weekend, Schefter was reporting man not a lot of teams interested in moving up to the top, into the top 5 it's going to take you know more than just Miami and Los Angeles to get Detroit uh, out of that number three pick. Well, of course, the clock is ticking. It, it, you know the Vikings are fielding a lot of calls right now, from what I'm told, uh, for some of those later picks. You know, everybody's starting to make the movement now because people are ready to pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. For, for uh, you know, lack of a better term, it's it's time and. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some of these trades happen or at least get in place before. Everything goes down at 7 o'clock just because there's going to probably be a little bit of trepidation with some of the technology issues that that have happened. Uh, And even coming out of the mock draft on Monday that we heard was kind of a little shaky start, but ended up getting out smoothed out. I wouldn't be surprised if by 6 o'clock... we If if the Lions are going to trade, then they do it before then. Yes. I'm going to go home and take a quick nap, but then make sure that I am ready to go by you know 5 or 6 o'clock because that's where we could have... Just pedal to the metal uh, in, in terms of these moves and trades and teams sliding around. And it makes a lot of sense for the Vikings to trade back if there's somebody who believes another quarterback is going to be there or something else that they highly value, which we will get to our prediction yes. in just a couple minutes. Oh, and one more thing. What about Ngakwe? Does he move tonight? Could you package him for the third pick? I... <sighs> I think they're going to have a really tough time. Yeah, I mean, he could get involved in a package, yeah. But moving him for anything significant after what he did the other day, 
uh, his value cannot be very high. He, he would almost have to be a throw-in, especially since he carries a huge cap hit right now, and then he's going to want a massive contract extension. You know, I, I think that he's overplayed his hand a little bit, that it's not a bad idea to just be happy on a franchise tag and get 17 mil in cash in your pocket just like that and then hit the free agent market Look after. Next year, yeah. yeah. And I understand, like, you want to play it to get the long-term contract. Everybody wants that. But he's acting like he's being imprisoned by the Jaguars. <laughs> like, really, man? I don't know what a, a, I don't know what a good trade for Ngakwe deals with if he's going to want $20 million a year or something in that ballpark. Yeah. Because he's just not that good. No, like, exactly. He's good, but I mean, he's not Khalil Mack. That's cl- that's clowny money that he wants and i mean the lions could do it if you think about like if they package if jaguar the jaguars package that their first of two second first of two first round picks and in they've got 29.2 million dollars in cap space they yeah. could make it happen for this year they're probably one of the few teams that could incur a salary like that and be able to build on their pass rush even more yeah but do yep. they really want to to have all that much money tied up in one defender when you know you've got Trey Flowers is on the books for $16.8 million next year or this season. Uh, I don't know. I think it's I think it's an okay move if they were to do it. They've if they're going to move in Gakwe, it has to happen tonight though. I just feel like some of these guys and the and those two, you know, Ngakwe and Jadavian Clowney have priced themselves out a little bit at it, trying to say no, 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 we're the elite elite uh, players who can't be replaced and then teams go, "All right, well, yeah, but at 20 million dollars a year, we mm-hmm. we'd rather get a couple of rotational rushers." That's part of the thing that's happened recently is that there are so many good rotational rushers that if you don't have Judavian Clowney, you could still pressure the quarterback. And sort of reminds me of how even with Everson Griffin out in 2018, the Vikings still found a way. It was like, well, we've developed this guy who's tall and lanky and rushes the passer, and we've got a couple other guys who move in and out, and boom, there you go. Do you think they're hedging the fact that this year's edge class is just not that good? Probably. That uh, Clowney thinks that, oh, well... You know, whoever ends up it with their first round, Eater, Gross Mottos, and AJ Epinesa, and um, who's the other guy? I'm forgiving, uh, Caleb on Chasen, and, yep. you know, the other hybrid outside linebacker, defensive ends, three, four guys like that. He's going to still be able to get that type of money after the draft, after the dust settles, after every team has picked, you know, the defensive players that they want. I, To me, I don't think you get that kind of money after the draft, that it knocks you down a peg or two despite. How the class looks. Yeah, you're right that he's hoping someone gets desperate, but I agree. If you let it go this far, it is very hard because all the teams have spent all their money in other places and then mm-hmm. have to sign the draft class, and then you want $20 million of their cap space. Um, our last guy that I have for how good will this guy be, you think, is Tua. How good mm-hmm. do you think Tua will be in the NFL? It's the hardest one to pick, and it's not just because of the injury concerns that we know of. The hip, the wrist, the ankle. Um, it's it's the hardest one to pick. I think he has a chance to be fantastic, and that's why people who are in a position to draft a franchise quarterback, even if you don't necessarily need one right now, i.e. Detroit, mm-hmm. why you should at least consider it. Like The guy does stuff. And, and think of I, I just will always in my mind go back to that game where Jalen Hurts gets pulled in the national championship yeah. and Tua goes in as a freshman and leads them to victory. The kid's got the it factor. Everyone will tell you that. He is the mold of this NFL 
this ushering in of the new era of quarterbacks in the NFL, of the Deshaun Watsons, of the Patrick Mahomeses, of uh, Lamar Jackson. He is a true dual threat. And I think that that's going to be where this trends over the next few years. And if you can get a guy like that, you should. And so will he be as good as any of the three that I mentioned? Possibly. I'd like to take a bet and say that he will. I think he's a terrific athlete. And I think that, you know, all the stuff that we saw doing it at the highest level at Alabama outweighs to me any of the risks that you would have right now in durability concerns. What I like about him is that he is so accurate and uh, you know, he gets rid of the ball quickly when he has to on those RPOs that they love to mm-hmm. run all the time. This is one of the few guys that I could say during his college career, I watched a bunch of him because he played for Alabama. Yeah, he's on TV every you know, weekend. Jeff Gladney, I've got to go back and try to figure out who the guy is on, on the YouTube video. Like, wait, is he that one uh, over there? You know, what number was he again? You know, when you're trying to figure these out. Now, we've all seen Tua play a ton. And your point about just the gamer element of him He's a winner. He's accurate. He's got good footwork. I mean, all those things usually play extremely well in the NFL. And if it's just the injuries that are the concern, I think it's still worth the investment. And some guys like, you know, your Jake Locker have been so injured that they retire early and it doesn't work out. But with somebody who could be a Matt Ryan level, I don't want to say Drew Brees level, but let's say like what Drew Brees was in San Diego or something like where he um, was very, very good and then took it to the highest level when he went to New Orleans. If it's somebody like that who is just a, a dart thrower and can distribute the ball extremely well in quick passing game and is super accurate and has leadership qualities, I mean, that's giving you a shot at going to eventually win a Super Bowl and build around that player. So it, it always is amazing to me when teams are like, uh, yeah, I don't know, he's got this injury concern, he's got this. You know what? You're probably all getting fired anyway someday. So, (laughs) so, I mean, what you should do is do the best thing that you possibly can to give you a shot to win the Super Bowl, not to be a decent team, which would be if you draft Derrick Brown and you could stuff the run better, like, congratulations, does that win you a Super Bowl? I mean, it might help if you have a great quarterback, but if you don't have one, then you should be drafting Tua. And I think that... I would. I want to go in and say if he lands with the right organization, he becomes a great quarterback. Uh, if he does not land with the right organization, like Jacksonville, then there's a chance that you know he isn't handled properly and they try to push him in too fast and so forth. But I will say that he becomes like a Matt Ryan level star NFL quarterback. Yeah, I think that's the easiest answer here because all of the tools and all of his you know, body of work lines up for that. Yeah, he gets knocked because he waits around in the pocket too long to make th- throws sometimes, and his pocket poise doesn't look great. Well, you know what? He also has that escapability that not a lot of other quarterbacks have, which gets him out of those jams. Unless teams are worried that he's just going to stand back there and take hits and risk himself and open up himself to injury, that's one thing. But I think that a quarterback like this and what, you know, what you had just mentioned about Derek Brown and if you really wanted to take an interior defensive lineman at that, you're drafting for now. I mean, when, if you can, if you're one of those teams that has a high draft pick and you can draft for the future because that's really what you should be using the draft for, you're, not in the wrong at all if you go with Tua. And I always remember what George Chahuri, uh from PFF came on and said a few weeks ago, that the Rams did not become good even after drafting Aaron Donald until they got a passing game. Yep. And that passing game was Jared Goff, who was the number one overall prospect taken in 2016. And obviously 
we all have our thoughts on what Jared Goff is and what he will continue to become, and that he's just an he's a system quarterback. But if you can have a guy like this, this instantly takes your team from where they're at to being contenders. Yeah, if you have a, and this is what I mean, Tua could become a system quarterback with a little dynamic ability. But if he becomes a system quarterback as good as Jared Goff, people think Goff is suddenly terrible. I think their team was terrible last year and got a ton of injuries and their offensive line fell off the side of the earth uh, and probably defenses figured out Sean McVay a little. But this is a guy who led a number one and number two offense in his second and third year in the NFL. Like That's a home run pick for them. And he's a guy that maybe you don't want to pay all the money, but even if you do, you know that he could get you to a Super Bowl. And if you draft that guy, then you've won. All right, we've got a couple minutes left. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up. They'll do three hours tonight. They usually are on from four to six, uh, but they'll take you up until the draft. Then I will be back with Mackie and Judd to go through the entire draft in the first round tonight in our 36 hours of purple. But before we call it uh, a day for now, yes. Courtney, give me your two picks that you think the Vikings make or if they make two picks tonight. I do, not, I do not think they make two picks. I think that the buzz that has been continuing to grow throughout the day of them trading back. Uh, It sounds like that 25th pick is the sweet spot of where teams want to try to uh, get in in the draft. So I think that they make one pick tonight um, and they go with a cornerback because I'm not really sure how this offensive line group is going to pan out. Uh, Just you know, and they, they need to come out with they need to come out with a cornerback. Yes, in all of my mocks, because none of them allowed trades. I did project Josh Jones at 22 and AJ Terrell at 25. I stand by that. I think both of them would be great picks. But given what we're hearing today, I do think that they trade out from one of those picks and they walk away with a first round corner because you got to keep Mike Zimmer happy and you need a first round cornerback. Okay, so tell me who it is. AJ Terrell. Oh, okay. Terrell, excuse me, Terrell. Did, did you say that? And I yeah, was I just reading something. I'm sorry. Wow, I, mean, I get criticized for wanting I to play know, the Courtney Art draft scrap music. Try, I am trying to keep my eye on <laughs> draft reports here. This is a very important job. Um, okay, AJ Terrell is a very good pick. So I'm going to say that they do draft twice tonight, but not at 25. They will instead draft at something like 31 or 32. And they will take... Since you went Terrell, I will go with... Jalen Johnson? I mean, is he not the obvious pick? Let's see. Since all the mocks went Jalen Johnson, then I will go Jeff Gladney for who they pick. The corner from TCU. And I will also go Austin Jackson from USC. I'll say that that is my official prediction that they end up with a high-ceiling tackle who's really athletic. I think that matters a lot to them. And a corner who is slightly undersized but has a great vertical jump and tremendous athleticism and can play press corner really well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that uh, as my official prediction, which I'm sure will be wrong because it's the Vikings, and you never know. Well, I, mean, I like it. I like it. I think that you have to take an offensive lineman if he's there tonight, especially given yeah. how some of the boards have fallen that are you know, projecting guys like Ezra Cleveland to be a first-round pick. I mean, by the time you get to day two, who's there? Like, that that's the problem, I think, yep. with this tackle group. Cleveland it's, is is kind of the last of the guys, and then there's a huge fall-off, and yeah. then there's the other ones um, that everyone takes in the later rounds and sends us in their uh, mock draft sims. So I just was what I was reading is Marquise Goodwin tweeted out something. He said, "Got to take it up another level." 
Does that mean he's getting traded, maybe? Because he's been on the trade block for the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, haven't the 49ers said, hey, we are open to trade him? Yes, yes. Everyone call us. We need a second, third, and a fourth round pick. Yeah, maybe that's why. All right, so I wouldn't be surprised. They're going to do something tonight. There's no doubt. You never know what the Minnesota Vikings will do. And we will be here to cover it all on our 36 Hours of Purple. So stick with us all evening long. Watch the draft, but turn it down. Listen to us break down the Vikings pick. Look for us streaming live on Twitter if you're on Twitter, and uh, we are going to have all sorts of fun. So Mackie and Judd with Rami coming up next. I will be back for our official draft coverage at 7 o'clock. Courtney, our draft scout, you've been wonderful all draft season long. I can't wait to talk to you later tonight after they make their picks. Yep, you're going to check in with us, and then, of course, tomorrow as well. So, all right, we will. Uh, I'll see you back at 7 o'clock. Keep it here to Score North. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.